Welcome Truth Seekers all across the Fruited Plain. I'm your host, Kim S. Anderson, bringing you Civics Made Simple. Hashtag we are exceptional. These are bite-sized civics lessons designed for you to take and share wherever you go. These are important times. Times that American citizens like you and me need to know how our rights came to be and the responsibilities that go along with them. Welcome, welcome to Civics Made Simple. This is your host and podcast creator, Kim S. Anderson. And I want to just state for the record, before we get started with today's lesson, I just want to talk to you guys a little bit about sort of um, the gaps that are going on in between producing these podcasts. And a lot of it has had to do with what's been going on nationally and just sort of uh, my feeling about going through the lessons and seeing where we are in the country. And so it's been a little disconcerting for me, Um, but I feel like we still have to push forward with a lesson of what things are supposed to be like because as we go through the lesson and if you've been with me through the beginning you've seen how the country was created all the things that had to happen and the ideals that were um, created and established for our great country Um, and to see now how far we are actually from it and we're more socialistic than we think so In this, I've decided that, you know what, I'm just going to press forward. I put the podcast back on my schedule. We're going to keep moving forward and we're going to get this information out. And, you know, and so in some of this, in in some of the lessons that I've, that I've seen um, with our partner here, Alpha Omega, it's, was written and put together in a much different time. And having so it it comes across with a bit of naivete but nevertheless we want to keep promoting the river of truth when it comes to these civics lessons and so that's why we do what we do right and so um without any further ado i just wanted to to put that out there up front i have really been grappling with how to proceed because of the tone and tenor of what's happening right now in the country. But nevertheless, I've gotten over myself, (laughs) get excited, and we're going to press on. And so today's lesson is one of those things that sort of bring what's happening to the country right back and put it right in our face. Um, And it's called the federal bureaucracy And you know what, guys, there is just no easy way to do this lesson. Once once we go through the lesson and see the the bureaucracy of the executive branch, I mean, oh, my gosh, the question you may be asking yourself after we sort of go through this lesson and we're going to go through it is how did we get here? That's what I thought when I was going through it, like how in the world did we get here to this albatross of federal bureaucracy. And it's really interesting because in the beginning of the lesson, they they just sort of they just sort of put out there like, you know, bureaucracy friend or foe. And I'm going to have to go on the side of foe because bureaucracy as they describe it in the lesson with Alpha Omega, whom we love, 
right? Like, this, I'm not by any means throwing Alpha Omega under the bus, my goodness. But what they describe bureaucracy is, is a form of organization in which there are certain specific characteristics. And, you know, the different, the, 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 I can talk, the dictionary definition, you know, right, that just sounds like normal, but it doesn't incorporate all the connotations of inefficiency that happens with a bureaucracy and a federal bureaucracy for a government that's as big as ours that was never supposed to be that way. So, um, so I do think it's a it's a foe because it it lacks all the things that the private sector must be aware of and must contend with. In the private sector, you must be efficient. You must increase your skills. You must keep working at being the very best version of yourself that you can be to be successful in the private sector. But we don't have that in the public sector with federal bureaucracy. So I'll try not to stay on my soapboxes too much today, but let us um, let us keep going. It states, while the dictionary definition of bureaucracy can carry negative connotations of inefficiency and red tape, right? It does not or should not have to be that way. That's what I'm saying. Like, it shouldn't be that way. Our government should be efficient. An informed citizenry should uh, make certain that their representatives are ever alert to unnecessary and excessive bureaucratic expansion. Well, in theory, right? And I think what we're seeing happening in uh, the U.S. today is our lack of responsibility, the lack of the citizenry that has allowed this sort of oligarchy of government to keep going, right? And so um, in the United States today, there are almost 3 million citizens employed within the federal bureaucracy. Um, nearly 25% of the federal workforce is employed, is employed by the Postal Department and another 33% work for the Department of Defense. And we're going to go through these different um, cabinet-level positions of departments. Uh, let's see, where do we want to go? So I think this is important. Let's just take note of this. Prior to 100 years ago, the majority of the bureaucratic workers were appointed by the newly elected political leaders. This came about as a result of what was called the spoil system. This philosophy that was based on the old saying that to the victor belong the spoils led every new politician to appoint government to appoint to government offices those men and women who had been loyal to them and supported their efforts for election. So this meant that there was a rather drastic turnover in government jobs every four years or, you know, give or take with every administration, and it led to a great deal of inefficiency in managing the ongoing affairs of government. So in 1881, an angry attorney who had been denied an appointment as ambassador to France assassinated President James Garfield. So Congress immediately took action and passed the Civil Service Act of 1883, the immediate action two years later. <laughs> Got left Congress. This act was also known as the Pendleton Civil Service Act. Since that time, most appointees to federal jobs are employed under the merit system. Yeah, maybe, right? Maybe that's what they used to be. 
This means that, <laughs> I know I'm just so full of commentary today, just, just bear with me. This means that they receive their jobs by entrance, entrance exam and are promoted based on their qualifications for higher positions. Now here's the key. They are protected from being fired for political reasons. Now, you know, maybe a decade ago, I don't even know if it was a decade ago, but, you know, we were always taught, you know, go to school, get a good government job. Well, why? Because they can't pay you. They can't, they can't pay you. They can't fire you. Oh, they pay you. All right. But they can't fire you. And so what happens, we all know what happens. Take a trip to the DMV. We all know what happens when you become an employee on the public dole because you know that that check is guaranteed, efficiency goes way down because they have no real incentive to perform better. And so we tend to get the worst sort of performance than we do when it comes to government employees than we do with getting the best. Now, okay, am I overgeneralizing it? Have you been to the post office lately? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. 10% of federal workers are not under the civil service protection. These include individuals, approximately 600 or so, that are appointed directly by the president. These employees are not covered by the protection of civil service and their jobs are dependent upon the political position of the president and or his political party. The executive office of the president employs approximately 2,000 workers some of whom are appointees, others are employed under civil service. Okay, so let's move over to, um, well, let's just, let's just mention this, that bureaucrats as policymakers. One of the concerns of uh, political analysts, and, and this is what I'm saying about working in the government, especially on the federal level. One of the concerns of political analysts is that many of these bureaucrats are lifelong employees of federal agencies and organizations. And they, in essence, are the ones that are making policy or decisions on behalf of the country. And we have seen this in the, in the Trump administration, how um, bureaucrats at the State Department decided that this was going to be the policy and that they were not going to do what the president wanted. In other words, they are an unelected group of individuals whose jobs are protected, who in effect run many, many, many of the affairs of governments. And in essence, they say that presidents have control over these agencies only by reason that they appoint the key leadership for a certain period of time, but you have government bureaucrats who have been there and will be there their whole lives that feel like they are the ones that are really running government and they are responsible, but they have not been elected by the people for any position that they hold. And this is a dangerous slope that that was really brought to light under uh, President Trump. So moving on, um, let's talk about the uh, different departments, the executive part, the, I can talk and I will talk, the executive departments and the leaders and the responsibilities. So we know that each president has a cabinet and it's a group of officials who meet regularly with him to discuss all pertinent information deemed important at the time. And so there are 15 cabinet departments in the executive branch. Now, each branch 
each um, department, the leader of that branch is known as the secretary, right? The secretary of defense, the secretary of state, etc. Except for the Department of Justice, whose head is, is uh, called the attorney general. So what we're going to do is we're going to briefly, I'm watching my time, we're going to briefly, but as concisely as possible, talk about each area of uh, bureaucracy and the cabinet departments of the executive branch. You guys ready? Here we go. The Department of State, or commonly known as the State Department, it coordinates all the activities of the executive department in matters of foreign policy. This department negotiates treaties with other governments, handles official business with foreign embassies, and represents the United States at the United Nations. This department also schedules and participates in international conferences and issues passports to American citizens traveling abroad. The Department of the Treasury. The Treasury Department manages the financial, economic, and fiscal responsibilities of the executive department. It collects the nation's taxes and produces, and produces the nation's currency. Other agencies that work under the control of the Treasury Department are the Internal Revenue Service, or the IRS, and the Bureau of Engraving and Imprinting and the United States Mint. The Department of Defense, or the Defense Department, is one of the largest of the executive departments in terms of the number of employees. Its duty is to provide for the military defense of the United States, and its allies, so it says here, when such help is requested. The Department of Defense is responsible for the operation of all the branches of the armed forces, including the Army, the Navy, Marines, and the U.S. Air Force. It directs the operations of the United States Military Academy at West Point, the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, Annapolis, Maryland excuse me, and the Coast Guard Academy in New London, Connecticut. This, and one of the things most importantly, right, this department also oversees the production and manufacture of military supplies, aircraft, and weapons, among other things. Now we, we move to the Department of Justice, the DOJ. It is headed by the Attorney General, who serves as the nation's lawyer. The DOJ investigates and prosecutes offenders when it discovers violations of federal laws. Several important agencies operate under the auspices of the Justice Department, and they include the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, uh, BOP, which stands for the Federal Bureau of Prisons, and the uh, ATF, which stands for the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, and now they've added explosives. The newest addition to the cabinet, um, and the uh, large one, another large area, is the Department of Homeland Security, um, that was created after September 11, 2001, and has been tasked with the complex, overarching task of protecting the citizens of the United States from terrorism. Yeah, it's just a big old broad, no bureaucracy happening there, right? Some of its duties <laughs> are to inform the public of the current threat level, 
to guard borders and ports of entry from access to terrorists, which is really interesting. Thinking about what's going on currently at our southern border doesn't seem to be a big deal. Like the border's not being guarded at all. Um, to coordinate information and activities with other departments and law enforcement agencies and to respond in the event of a terrorist attack. Now, several agencies and bureaus have been moved to this department from, their, from other executive branches. Some of these are FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Administration, uh, CBP, United States Customs and Border Protection, uh, the United States Secret Service, uh, the United States Coast Guard, and the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services, which is interesting because it's sort of like, then it would seem like they would have the, the ability to issue passports. I don't know. Just, there seems to be some things that are sort of cross, um, I don't want to say contaminated, <laughs> cross-trained maybe, I don't know. Then we have the Department of Interior, and it has a broad responsibility of, of oversight of America's natural resources. This is very interesting. Like, just, just listen up. Besides being assigned the task of conserving and developing these resources, have you heard much about the Department of Interior developing our natural resources? I don't, I haven't either. The department manages the national parks and administers programs for Native Americans, for American Indians, and oversees the territorial possessions of the United States, such as American Samoa, Guam, and the Virgin Islands. Some of the agencies and bureaus that function under this department are one, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, the Bureau of Land Management, the Bureau of Reclamation. Have you ever heard of that before? The United States Fish and Wildlife Service. Like, what do these things do? The National Park Service and the United States Geological Survey. Like, for real? Wow. Moving on. Next, we have the Department of Ag Agriculture, which works closely with American farmers to provide assistance and information that will make them more productive. I don't know. I'm just like completely sarcastic today. I don't know what's going on. But the duties of the Department of Agriculture are to secure information on the production of crops and other farm products, promote overseas markets for farm products, and ensure reasonable income for farmers. Doesn't that last part seem strange? Like the Department of Agriculture is there to ensure that farmers have reasonable income? That seems Really interesting. The department also works to prevent hunger, check this out, both in rural America and around the world. Really? The Department of Agriculture's job is to prevent hunger around the world? That's interesting. It maintains data on national and world agriculture and provides technical and research assistance to help improve farm production. Pay attention to the Department of Agriculture in, in these interesting days and times. Um, and just keep an eye on our food supply. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, and then next, the Department of Agriculture has the Forest Service, which oversees the management of the nation's forests. Now, doesn't it seem like Forest Service should be under the Department of the Interior? 
I don't understand why the Forest Service is under the Department of Agriculture. It's just me, just reading along. Okay, we've got a few more to go. So guys, I'm doing my best. We're going we're gonna to get through this. But this is an important lesson for us to sort of get a hold of and see just how bureaucratic our, and this is just the executive branch. This is just the executive branch. We also have the Department of Commerce. The three primary duties of the Department of Commerce are to promote the economy of the United States. Well, okay. To supervise international trade and to encourage technological advancement. Now, you just tell me does if this rings true. Like, can you see that the Department of Commerce is doing these things on your behalf as a citizen? This department advises the president on all matters of economic concern and serves as a resource of information for other departments and agencies. It also works with other departments in encouraging job development. Really? In addition, the Department of Commerce issues patents, registers trademarks, and works closely with the telecommunications industry. Hmm. Next up, the Department of Labor. It says it oversees the welfare of American workers. It administers all the laws pertaining to working conditions, establishing minimum wage, and settling disputes between employers and employees. Child labor laws are enforced, and the immigrant labor workforce is supervised by this department. One of its agencies, um, OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, develops standards of worker safety and enforces those laws in the United States labor industry. Next up, the Department of Health and Human Services. This department is made up of three divisions. One, the Public Health Service. Really? Hey, like, have you ever heard of that before? The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services and the Administration for Children and Family Services, or ACF. Its primary responsibility is to oversee the public health care of children and families. I'm just blown away. Like, how did this thing even get to be? Um, the first agency in the department is the National Institutes of Health, <laughs> which promotes research into the cause, prevention, and treatment of diseases. Does it now? Whoo! The next is the Food and Drug Administration, which oversees the quality of food, the production of cosmetics. Really? Really? And the safety and value of drugs and <laughs> other medical products. Guys, I'm just, whoo! Okay, do I have to explain this? Check this last one out. The third agency is the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. Which, what does that do? It strives to prevent and provide information on disease and disability. Does it? I mean, you guys have lived through COVID. Really? Really? Oh. Next up, and tell me why this thing even exists right now. The Department of Housing and Urban Development. We are more socialistic than we think, people. Rapid growth of urban population of American cities in the 1950s. It's 2021. Require, required, not, no, no, required the establishment of the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Really, the rapid growth required the establishment of another, like, branch of government? Really? It required it? The HUD's responsibility is to increase, <laughs> this, oh, this is so antithetical 
of why we were founded as a country. I know this is going to be a little long. I'm doing my best. We just got a few more to get through. Um, HUD, its responsibility is to increase the availability of affordable quality housing and to work with cities in the development of low-income housing projects. I mean, oh my God. The department promotes fair and equal housing opportunities for people, regardless of race, religion, sex, or national origin. It also strives to provide adequate housing, not great housing, adequate housing for people who are disabled and or families with children. I just, I mean, I, okay, I'm just going to keep going. I think you guys are feeling what I'm feeling in all this, uh, with this albatross of executive government. The Department of Transportation is charged with the responsibility of guaranteeing the safety, economy, and efficiency of all methods of transportation in the United States. It oversees the safety features and design of transportation equipment, including the operation of airplanes, trains, and trucks. It is responsible for the safe transportation of hazardous materials and chemicals, and some of the agencies operating under the authority of this department are the FAA, the Federal, Administra Federal Aviation Administration, FHWA, the Federal Highway Administration, and MARAD, M-A-R-A-D, the Marine Time Administration. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, you're going to love this one. Next up, the Department of Education. Woohoo! The duty of the Department of Education is to provide, to improve the quality of American education. <laughs> it works to assure equal educational opportunities for all American citizens. Does it now? Wow. This department gathers educational data and organizes it into a useful, where, where am I? I'm sorry. And organizes, it, organizes this data into reports which provide direction and information to school institutions. Wow. Mm. Oh, but check this out. It also says that one of its responsibilities is to provide financial assistance to students attending school beyond high school. Really? Like that's what it was created to do, to help meet the community and school needs of children and to prepare students for careers. Hmm. Next up, the Department of Energy. Now I want you to ask yourself, is the Department of Energy meeting its charter? And what's the difference between the Department of Energy and mm, there was one that seems, uh, maybe Department of Interior or Agriculture? I don't know. Let's see. The Department of Energy is charged with the responsibility of evaluating and providing for the development of energy in the United States. All we've gotten and heard the last few years is just, right, green energy. Let's just go green. Um, the department divides its duties into four areas. One, the development of energy resources within the boundaries of the United States. Two, the encouragement of research and development of energy resources. Three, the security of the nation's energy supplies. And four, the protection of the environment during ongoing energy exploration. Get excited. Up next, I think this is the last one. Yep, is the Department of Veterans Affairs. 
um, or the VA as we have come to know and love it. The VA administers the benefits and programs which are available to all veterans of the United States military services, dependents of, the, of military personnel, and dependents of deceased veterans. The department also oversees the operation of military cemeteries. In addition to the, Depart the Department of, of Veteran Affairs assists veterans and their dependents in matters of health care, disability, and death benefits, educational assistance programs, and home loan assistance. Now, it, and in addition to this, in addition to this, there are other independent agencies, commissions, and committees. Over 60 other independent agencies, 60, 60 independent agencies perform to function the duties of the executive branch. Among these are the CIA, you know what that means, NASA, National Aviation and Space Administration, the Federal Reserve System. Now, they included the Fed here, but let's just be clear. The Fed is an independent group, um, and it is the central bank of the United States. And maybe we'll have to do another talk on that separately. Now, it all appears that it's all under the guise of, uh, you know, executive branch control, but really it's not. They just have the, have the president appoint a chairman, but it's not like he appoints someone outside of their group. He picks from people that are already on the board of governors. So it's not, it's a closed group that really has the federal government has no control over the Fed. Can I just put it in those terms? The executive branch has no authority. It operates separately. It's the central bank of the United States. We'll have to talk about that more in depth at another time. But we also have um, the FCC, the Federal Communication Commission, uh, the EOCC, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and last but not least, the United States Postal Service. Now, there are many more because we said there's 60 of them in addition to the various departments. And so I apologize for going a little bit longer, but we needed to have this federal bureaucracy on record and being clear about where we stand on it and how this bureaucracy is not necessarily working for us American citizens. Now, next up, you guys, we are going to be talking about the legislative branch and let's just get down on it. We're going to be talking about the two house system, committees in action, <laughs> how a bill becomes a law and last but not least impeachment. Let's do it. We're going to keep it going and we're going to get through this together. This has been Kim Anderson. Hugs and kisses. Love you so much. Over and out. Thank you for your attention with this lesson. Pass it out. Share it. Let people know about the podcast. We're here to stay and we're going to keep doing what we do. All right, guys. God bless you and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Civics Made Simple. This is your host, Kim S. Anderson, inviting you to visit our site, kimsanderson.me.me. For the latest and most up-to-date information on our podcast and our store, follow us at hashtag WeAreExceptional on Instagram and Twitter. God bless, and we'll see you next time.